I work hard and I want my money to work hard too. So I use my Freedom Unlimited card. Even when I'm spending, I'm earning 1.5% cash back on everything I buy. Earning on headphones. <laughs> earning. Earning. Still earning. Always earning. I don't know where you're pointing. Not that one, the big one. You can't sneak a good earning opportunity past me. In fact, I got a hand modeling gig that starts right now. Earn 1.5% cash back on everything you buy with Freedom Unlimited. Ooh, my hands look good. Chase, make more of what's yours. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Streaming live from the Las Vegas studios. It is your host, Addison, a.k.a. From the jump, man, we are in the building. Episode 91, the live of sports podcast on the web, man. If you are tuned in right now, wherever you're listening from, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, whether or not you're listening from iHeartMedia, wherever it is that you are streaming this episode, we want to say thank you. Double salute to you for showing so much love. Continue to keep sharing us. Tap in. Tell a friend to tell a friend. But you know... We got so much to talk about on today's episode, man. I've been gone for the past couple of days because, you know, we had to let the sports world kind of play itself out a little bit. Alabama LSU played on Saturday, as you heard in the introduction. Of course, we'll talk about it. We got to talk about Joe Brady. I mean, um, Joe, Joe Burrow. Uh, you know, we got to talk about LSU's beatdown of Alabama and, and why I feel like Alabama's run at, at being the reign of the SEC just might be over. Of course, we got to talk about the week nine in the NFL. Of course, Lamar Jackson bought out. My Cowboys lost. My Raiders did win, so that was a good thing. And if y'all didn't see last night, the 49ers did lose, so now we have no undefeated teams in the NFL. And on today's edition of the wrap-up, we'll talk about the NCAA suspending Chase Young, the, the Ohio State young man. Stay tuned. It's from the jump. But, of course, starting off today's show, you know we got to talk about the game in which transpired last night, and that was the Seattle Seahawks versus the San Francisco 49ers, and it was nothing short of stellar. Of course, the game went into overtime. Of course, the game went into overtime, and it came down to the field goal kicking. And you know the one thing, before I get into this, before I get into the stats and who played great, because, of course, Russell Wilson looked like MVP yesterday. And before I get into this game, it, it must suck when you lose the game to field goal kicking. It really must suck. And you know what? The field goal kicker should have to stand up just like the quarterbacks do, just like the head coaches do, just like all the other positions do in front of the media at the end of the game and say, you know what, this game was on me. Because if you for 48 minutes in a football game, you mean to tell me that the 49ers were up 10 in that game yesterday, come back. Then it come down to McLaughlin kicking that 47-yard field goal in overtime yesterday with three minutes left in overtime. So the 49ers were set to win that game. Jason Myers on the other side is making that kick. That game is over. The 49ers are 9-0. We're having a different conversation this morning. McLaughlin gets up there and shunks the kick. Not shanks it. Shunks. I just made that word up. Shout out to Eric, my engineer. He in the building. But he shunked that kick. As soon as he kicked it, it said, Doom, and it went like wide left. Everybody in the arena was like, whoa, what the hell was that? So again, it must really suck when the game comes down to the field goal kicking, and I feel like these field goal kickers should have to stand up just like everybody else in front of the media at the end of the game with the cameras in their face and the bright lights, and they should have to take that one on the chin. But, of course, getting into yesterday's game, as I said in the intro, it was nothing short of stellar. Of course, Russell Wilson playing like the MVP front runner, like he is, 24 for 34 yesterday, 232 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Of course, Chris Carson led the way in rushing for them yesterday. 25 carries for 89 yards and one touchdown. And again, on the receiving end, DJ Metcalf was the leading receiver with six catches for 70 yards. Um, as well for the 49ers, Jimmy Garoppolo didn't have a particularly great game yesterday, but didn't have a horrible game. He was 24 for 46 yesterday, one touchdown and also one interception. He was also sacked 
five times yesterday. And Russell Wilson was also sacked five times as well. And again, on carrying on the ground was Tevin Coleman, nine carries for 40 yards. And in for the air was Samuel leading the way with eight catches for 112 yards, but did not score. Now, and again, I will say this was key yesterday. The 49ers not having George Kittle affected their run game because he is actually their best run blocking tight end on the field. And also they're one of their actual best receivers on that team. So again, George Kittle not playing yesterday was key actually for the 49ers. Because again, if you watched this game last night, the Seattle Seahawks couldn't score outside of the third quarter. And they, they had that one drive where Russell Wilson was able to get that touchdown to Hollister. And of course, they had the other drive where Chris Carson scored. But outside of that, they didn't score in the fourth quarter, nor did they score in overtime. Now, however, when it came down to it, their kickers were able to make kicks. And again, as we're starting to see week in and week out with a lot of these NFL defenses, a lot of these defenses are starting to generate points, which as a result are changing the dynamics of the game. And as we saw last night with, of course, Jadavion Clowney getting a fumble return, DeForest Buckner getting a fumble return. Defenses are slowly but surely starting to take over in the NFL. We're starting to see offensive players slowly but surely get injured. And again, defensive guys are getting injured too. But we're starting to see in a lot of these football games, these defensive touchdowns are starting to matter a lot more. And we're starting to see them more and more frequently. But but now, not only was this game important divisionally, because again, these two teams are in the same division. So there are game in and game out, really jockeying for playoff spots. But it also kind of made a statement in the NFC as to which team right now has been the best team in the NFC. We've been debating for the past couple of weeks which team is it, whether or not it's New Orleans, whether or not it's Green Bay. Sometimes we, I'm going to say it's Dallas. You know, for a while we've been saying it's the 49ers. I've been saying this, the 49ers has been the best team in the NFC simply because of the fact that they were undefeated. And, you know, of course, they had beaten, you know, everybody that they had played so far. But after last night's game, as we saw on national TV on Monday Night Football, it's kind of clear. The Seattle Seahawks right now are the best team in the NFC. And I know we want to say Green Bay, but they have the same exact record. They have the same exact record. And the Seattle Seahawks right now are 5-0 and on the road, which is key. So, as I said, as it stands, this was an important NFC West battle. But not only that, this was an NFC battle because we wanted to find out who the best team in the NFC was. Whether that the 49ers were pretenders or whether that they are contenders. And they are contenders. So let's not be fooled that the 49ers are contenders. This doesn't change my opinion on this team. This team is still one of the best teams in the NFC. And again, as as I said, when they were able to make points happen, they were able to make them happen in the fourth quarter. They were able to get that fumble return for a touchdown was key. It just came down to McLaughlin shanking a 47, I'm sorry, shunking a 47-yard kicker, man. Seattle over San Francisco, 27-24. But, of course, with week 10 in the books, man, a lot of games transpired, starting off with Thursday night's game against the Raiders versus the Chargers, 26-24. Derek Carr, brilliant, 21 for 31, 218 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions. Raiders over the Chargers, 26-24. The Detroit Lions lost to the Chicago Bears on Sunday, 20-13. The Baltimore Ravens, 49-13 over the Cincinnati Bengals. Lamar Jackson was brilliant once again. Glee! Shout out to LJ. Keeps balling out again. I mean, if the MVP race is Russell Wilson leading, I know that's what the media is saying. They want Russell Wilson to get his MVP. But if he's leading it, Lamar Jackson got to be a 1B, literally. Because, I mean, week in and week out, he keeps putting up these video game-like numbers. Keeps putting up these video game-like highlights. And he had another 47-yard scamper on Sunday. Y'all take a listen to this crazy run. Ravens over the Bengals, 
The Cleveland Browns ended their four-game losing streak by defeating the 6-2 with now 6-3 Buffalo Bills on Sunday, 19-16. Baker Mayfield actually didn't play bad on Sunday. Actually didn't play bad. He was the reason why they actually won. And again, <laughs> this game, he didn't have any turnover. 26 for 38, 238 yards and two touchdowns. They gave Nick Chubb the ball 20 times for 116 yards. And of course, when they force-feed Jarvis Landry and not Odell Beckham, they're typically a lot better. Now, Jarvis Landry had nine catches for 97 yards. And, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. did finish Sunday's game with five catches for 57 yards. He was targeted 12 times but did not cross the end zone. And, of course, the first game for Kareem Hunt, Kareem Hunt being back in the lineup, four carries for 30 yards but did not score as well. The Cleveland Browns, and, again, as we've been saying, when they want to play football, when Baker Mayfield actually does not turn the football over, they actually look like a different team. They actually look like one of the best teams in the league that actually can play football. Again, the Cleveland Browns over the Buffalo Bills, 19-16. The Tennessee Titans spoiled Patrick Mahomes, the NFL reigning MVP's return to the NFL, which sent the Kansas City Chiefs to 6-4. and four. Now, of course, Mahomes, I'm sorry, not Mahomes, Mahomes, Patty was 36 for 53 touchdowns, zero interceptions, of course, had a QBR of 119. Damian Williams had 19 carries for 77 yards. And, of course, Tyreek Hill had a monster game, 11 carries. I'm sorry, 11 receptions, 157 yards and one touchdown. Travis Kelsey had a touchdown. Harden had a touchdown. Everybody on that Kansas City offense ate on Sunday. And, again, another game came down to Harrison Buckner missing a field goal kick. And I know they got to give the cliche answer after every game. You know, we had a hard fall game. We just missed it at the end. No, we ain't just miss it at the end. The field goal kicker missed it at the end. Brian been doing nothing all game long, and we put him in in the most pressurized situation. Patrick Mahomes don't got the most pressure situation. Neither does Andy Reid. It's Harrison Buckner. The Atlanta Falcons with a surprise win over the New Orleans Saints, 26-9, in the battle of the New York teams, the New York Jets versus the New York Giants. The New York Giants did come out the loser on this one. The New York Jets did come out victorious, which sent the New York Jets to two and seven and the New York Jets to two and eight. Basically, who can be the worst team in New York? And this happened to be Saquon Barkley's worst game as a running back. He had 13 carries and he had one yard. And again, I know this is an anomaly. Running backs have this moment. I've never had a game where I've had 13 carries and only had one yard, literally one yard. Of course, this is as bad as Saquon Barkley is going to play, but I guarantee you next game, he'll go for like 200 yards and like three touchdowns. The New York Jets, over the New York Giants, 34-27. to The Miami Dolphins defeated the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday as well, 16-12. to And, of course, we all know the Colts right now are without their starting quarterback, with their franchise quarterback at the moment, Jacoby Brissett. The Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers defeated the Carolina Panthers, 24-16. to The Steelers, the Pittsburgh Steelers at home got a big win. And, again, this is a game that I watched down to the end. And, I, and I'm going to be honest about this, and I'm going to say this straight up. The Pittsburgh Steelers right now are 5-4. and four. The same record as the Los Angeles Rams. The same record as the Dallas Cowboys. And we can say what we want to. I know all offseason we talked about Ben Roethlisberger, Antonio Brown, Le'Veon Bell, of course. There's a lot of moving and shaking. But this team has kind of quieted the noise. Mike Tomlin has kind of routed the ship, if you will. And this team is actually have a winning record. Mason Rudolph actually has not turned the ball over in a lot of the games. And again, though Juju Smith-Schuster is not the number one, though he is not Antonio Brown, he's not going to put up Antonio-like Brown numbers without Ben Roethlisberger. Somehow, someway, Mason Rudolph has kind of been spreading it around. Again, he's been able to throw to his college teammate in James Washington, who has kind of been putting up numbers. And of course, again, Juju Smith-Schuster, Vance McDonald, so James Samuel. So again, this is a team right now who was dangerous. And oh, by the way, defense, all of a sudden, 
is playing like that Pittsburgh defense of old, the Joey Porter, Troy Palomalu days, William Gay, them boys days. This this Pittsburgh Steelers defense looks amazing right now. Again, Joey Hayden locking up everything on the back end. They got a pass rush in J.J. Watts. Look, say what you want to about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but if they get in the wild card spot somehow, some kind of way, they might be dangerous. And, of course, on a late-night Sunday game, the Minnesota Vikings did defeat the Dallas Cowboys 28-24. to And, of course, Dak Prescott was nothing short of brilliant, 28-46, for 397 yards, three touchdowns, and one interception. Kirk Cousins on the other side. Again, Kirk Magic, when Kirk Cousins is on fire, how you like that? Hey, he's on fire. Kirk Cousins finished the game 23-32, for 32, 220 yards, and two touchdowns. Dalvin Cook. You know, the matchup between him and Ezekiel Elliott, the matchup that we all wanted to see, you know, an emerging running back in Dalvin Cook, who, of course, had a setback his rookie year, but has been nothing but sensational since he has come back for this Minnesota Vikings football team. 26 carries, 97 yards and one touchdown, and also has seven catches for 86 yards in the air. And, of course, this team was without Adam Thielen, but I don't think that was an issue on Sunday night. And, again, as we saw, I think just this sluggish. We Somehow, some way, as, as, as this offense, the Dallas Cowboys offense, they come out to a slow start. And, again, when they weren't able to run the football, they weren't able to control the clock. If you look at the time discrepancy between the two teams, it lets you know. Again, the Minnesota Vikings had 153 yards rushing. The Dallas Cowboys had 50. The Dallas Cowboys had one turnover. The Minnesota Vikings had zero. Time of possession, the Minnesota Vikings had the ball for 33 minutes and 27 seconds. The Dallas Cowboys had it for 26 seconds. So, again, when we look at the box score, you know, a lot of people are going to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, they had more yards. Dak had more yards. He had more. That's all fine and great. But when you look at the most important stats, as I say, week in and week out on this podcast, which is rushing and also turnovers and also time of possession, the Minnesota Vikings led all three of those categories. And as a result, that was a recipe for the win. But don't go anywhere. Up next on From the Jump, we'll talk Alabama and LSU, why this loss actually helps Alabama and may actually hurt LSU in a long run. And on today's edition of The Wrap-Up, we'll talk Chase Young. Stay tuned. It's From the Jump. Buy our pizza. Scan our box. Make pizza with Juju. What? Pizza with Juju? One of millions of prizes you could win from Pizza Hut when you play Hut Hut Win. You can't have football without the Hut. Today's attendance, 19,000 State Farm agents. Go for State Farm. Well, Becky Hut! Who do you play for, Mahomes? State Farm! State Farm! One more time! State Farm! And that's when I always wake up. What does it mean? Clearly it means you should combine your home and auto with State Farm. Eh, that's a weird interpretation. Streaming live from the From the Jump Studios, man. Fresh off the advertisement break, it's your host, Addison, man. If you're still with us, man, shouts out to you. Because, you know, I know I'll be talking. You know, I'll be doing my little thing, the thing, the thing. And, you know, y'all be trying to skip through the advertisement. I can see who skipped through the advertisement because it lets me know if the advertisement played or not. No, I'm kidding. But, hey. Shouts out to you if you're listening to this podcast right now. As I said, we are streaming on all platforms. Continue to keep streaming us and always tell a friend to tell a friend. But of course, sports news of the day. The NBA score rundown from last night. The Detroit Pistons lost to the Minnesota Timberwolves yesterday, 120 to 114. The Boston Celtics defeated the Dallas Mavericks, 116 to 106. The Memphis Grizzlies over the San Antonio Spurs, 113 to 109. The Houston Rockets defeated the New Orleans Pelicans yesterday, 122 to 116 behind James Harden's 39 points, nine assists. Nine assists 
and four rebounds. And of course, the Brody finished yesterday's game with 26 points, five rebounds, and also four assists. Clint Capella was the high with 20 rebounds and also 11 points. And for the New Orleans Pelicans, J.J. Redick had the team high yesterday with 24 points. Also yesterday, the Los Angeles Clippers and the Toronto Raptors took on each other. Of course, Kawhi Leonard's first time playing his old team. Not a good game yesterday, but he did have nine assists. 29, he had 12 points, nine assists, and also 11 rebounds. So, of course, he had a double-double yesterday. Didn't have a Kawhi Leonard-like game, if you will. 0 for 4 from the 3, but was able to get it done on the rebounding end and also the assist end. Again, Kawhi Leonard can fill up the stat sheet, and I think he showed us last night. Though he can't necessarily score 30 a night, he can fill it up other ways. Again, rebounding and assists. Shout out to the Clippers by getting a win yesterday, 98-88 over the Toronto Raptors. And, of course, the final game last night, the Utah Jazz defeated the Golden State Warriors. 112 to 108. And now I will say this, though. D'Angelo Russell, since he has been back, has been balling 33 points yesterday. Rudy Gobert had the team high for the Utah Jazz yesterday. Donovan Mitchell finished yesterday's game with 23 points, 8 rebounds, and 6 assists. Somehow him and Mike Conley are going to have to figure that thing out in that backcourt. But, again, when Rudy Gobert can score 25 points and have 14 rebounds, he is the anchor that makes this team go. Utah over the Golden State Warriors, 122. Some sad sports news today. Former Michigan State football star wide receiver Charles Rogers passed away yesterday at the age of 38. Now, of course, this was confirmed by both CNN and also ESPN. Charles Rogers being a top pick, the second overall pick, if you will, the 2003 NFL draft was a Blitnikoff winner at Michigan State, where he still holds the record in all time catches for touchdowns, which is 27. He also ranks third in school history with 2,281 receiving yards. And again, as I said, he did win the Blitnikoff, which is given to the best wide receiver in college football, which that year he had 68 catches for 1,300 yards and 13 touchdowns. And he was drafted to a bad organization at a time in which that organization was going through a lot of changes, coaching changes, quarterback changes, almost how as dysfunctional as the Browns is kind of like currently now is kind of what the Detroit Lions were at that specific time. And again, they were saying that, of course, he was battling some liver issues. But we want to send our condolences to the Charles Rogers family hailing from Saginaw, Michigan. Charles Rogers has passed away at the age of 38. The Alabama Crimson Tide and the LSU Tigers took on each other on Saturday. And if you missed this game, you missed nothing short than a hell of a game. I mean, both sides, both teams, both sides, both teams collided, both teams competed. Tua on one leg, Tua on one leg showed me he got the heart of a lion. Tua on one leg showed me that he should be in this Heisman conversation. Tua on one leg showed me that Alabama is not done this year. And, of course, he finished the game 21 for 40, 418 yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Of course, that costly interception at the end of the first half that I believe changed the game. But I'll get into that in a second. And, of course, Joe Brady, I mean, um, <clears throat> I'm sorry, Joe Burrow finished the game 31 for 39, 393 yards, three touchdowns. And, of course, some. Of course, Najee Harris on the other side for Alabama ran the ball like a man child. 19 carries, 146 yards. And then, of course, Devontae Smith led the way. Seven catches, 213 yards, two touchdowns. He was getting away on a lot of busted coverages. Whoever number 24 was for LSU, Singletary or Singleton or Sykes Cheese, whoever that was, man, he was getting fried all night. I'm talking about number six for Alabama was just flying by him all night. But, again, this game came down to the quarterback play. And as I said, Joe Burrow, Joe Brady, Whatever you want to call him, Joe Magnificent balled out. Now, y'all take a listen to Joe Burrow after Saturday's game. You know, I thought I thought I would be on this stage. I didn't think I would be in this jersey, though. You know, it's been it's been a bumpy road. It's been a long one, but I'm, I couldn't be in a better place. Just the poise of a quarterback. He got the quarterback face. 
Like, he's just a quarterback. He was built to play quarterback. I mean, this game was was nothing short of excellence. I mean, both running backs ran the ball hard. I think both receivers on both sides played well. But I think ultimately this game changed in the first half when Alabama, with 23 seconds left on the clock, should have just ran the ball. Either ran the ball or called the knee, went to halftime. Instead, they throw a pick, which gets returned, which I thought changed the entire game. And I thought at that moment right there, Alabama was in a point where they just could not keep up. And as I said, when you give up 33 points in the first half, you cannot come back from that. I'm sorry, you can't come back from that. LSU over Alabama 46-41. On today's edition of the wrap-up, Ohio State starting defensive end and projected number one overall draft pick Chase Young has been suspended by the NCAA for four games after apparently he broke an NCAA rule. Now, the rule in question was that he accepted a loan from a family friend now, apparently, of course, that is an NCAA violation, I'm sorry. And as a result, they decided to suspend him for four games. Now, of course, Ohio State is expected to submit a written report to the NCAA as early as this week seeking reinstatement of Chase Young. Now, of course, Chase Young was held out of the game on Saturday with game against Maryland. But, of course, they, they didn't need him. They, they destroyed Maryland. They put up 73 points. Justin Fields, another four-touchdown game, no interception game. Just continue to keep ball. Shout out to Jay Fields. Keep on balling, baby. But the reason why I have an issue with this, and again, this is the same drum that we've been beating about the NCAA for years, about the unbalance, about how, you know, these athletes Sunday in, I'm sorry, not Sunday, Saturday in and Saturday out are participating and making these schools and these booster clubs tons and tons of money. And we have a classic example where a guy clearly didn't have enough money to fly his girlfriend to Southern California. And don't tell me that the flight was cheap because, again, this is during the Rose Bowl time. And I'm sure this was not a, just a convenient flight. So I'm sure they probably had to come out of pocket, probably a couple, maybe $1,000 or so to probably get this flight, maybe seven, $800 at the max. So if that is the case for a flight, I don't think four games is, is, is permissible enough for a suspension. Now, maybe a game or two to kind of teach the lesson. Okay, cool. But four games, the NCAA is sending a message, a clear message. Again, Ohio State is the number one team in the country. Right now, Chase Young is projected to be the number one uh, prospect in this year's NFL draft. Not to mention that he was charging up the Heisman charts. I mean, he, I think he had 13 and a half sacks already this season. 13 and a half sacks. So again, he probably was going to end the season somewhere between 18 and 19 sacks. You know, and again, when he comes back, who knows how many sacks he'll be able to get and accumulate before the end of the season. Because, again, he'll probably have to play a game and then another game before he gets to the NFL. So, again, he'll probably have the college football championship, the semifinal playoff, I'm sorry, and then the college football championship if, in fact, he gets there. And then on top of that, he'll still have the Big Ten champion, Chase Young, took to a social media and he came out and basically said, unfortunately, I won't be playing because of an NCAA eligibility issue. I made a mistake last year by accepting a loan from a family friend I've known since the summer before my freshman year at Ohio State. Someone that I've known before the summer of my freshman year at Ohio State. So this is somebody that he knew prior to coming into Ohio State. Prior to him coming into Ohio State. Not a guy that he met. Not some ringer. Not some booster. A family friend that he met prior to Ohio State. And he says, I repaid it in full last summer and I'm working with the university and the NCAA to get back on the field as soon as possible. Of course, he wants to thank Ohio State, you know, the whole family, go Bucks. Got it. So with that being said, Chase Young is somewhat taking accountability for this situation. However, a four-game suspension is just horrendous. But of course, on today's episode, we talked about a lot. We are streaming on all platforms, Spotify, Apple, every streaming platform that you can find us on. We are on there. Continue to keep streaming us. Keep tapping into us. It's your boy. Holler at me on all my social media. We out.